Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. This is LaVon Breland. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is Rhema. Um, actually, this is Urban Glory Campaigns Radio, and we're on live tonight discussing the Word of God. I'm going to introduce a new set of teaching that we're going to carry throughout the rest of the year, including the closing message of the year, which is a new approach to our study. But we're going to build a very in-depth study, and I think it's going to incorporate all of the focal points that we've had so far throughout the year. It's been a delightful summer. We've had a chance to refresh ourselves, to review our courses of action, to renew a sense of the spirit. But now it's time to reform our thinking through transformational teaching in the Word of God. And so tonight I want to introduce a new series after I pray. We're going to get right into the subject matter at hand and then go from there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I would like to introduce to you tonight our study on the nature of God. The nature of God. We are entering into an in-depth study on godliness, and our first division is transforming the God complex. Transforming the the God complex, the nature of God, in our study of godliness. Focusing on the nature of God is what provokes the process of theology. It is finding the thread of these thoughts uh, to get us to recognize his patterns, his plans, his passions, and the pulses of his heart that are worth finding. My grandfather would say it like this, find the God of the Bible, indicating the value of learning the scripture for finding out exactly who God is and how he operates. Clarity must be the foundation of our belief system. We know not, we know not only what we believe, but who we believe and why we believe in him. Focusing on the nature of God establishes our confidence in believing on what he has and intends to do, which in essence develops our faith. Anything noted for faith is based on the acknowledgement of the embedded beliefs that back it. So recently in prayer I was provoked by the Holy Spirit, um, and in his words, in his own words uh, to my spirit, he said, uh, rethink and expand your God complex. Now, I immediately knew that the extensive research on mental complexes was needed. My, our psychological state, life pathology, parenting dynamics, perceptions, and persuasions are built on the boldness or the state of how we view God and what and how and when he will do what he does. After the, at first, I was going to name the entire series Empowering the God Complex. But in my heart, I knew his complex wasn't the problem. It was my complex. 
It was my complex in my heart that I knew, his complex um, that I knew, that in the confines of his given ability, unintentionally, I built over time a collapsible faith. And I had the the belief system that said Jesus will work it out syndrome, when in reality it was a faith drought that was expanding from disguised fears and frustrations that only could be resolved through my choice-making and developing confidence in his finished work. This demanded my retouch on knowing my redemptive rights, reviewing faith's role in life, only to... Uh, not only to what God is and what he can do inwardly and externally for my situations, but his sustaining power also in circumstances that are contrary to my usual steadfastness. So I'm going to be talking to you tonight and for the rest of the year about the nature of God. And, of course, this is only one of the divisions that we're dealing with, the nature of God. And we're going to be covering sonship um as I told you earlier this year, that we're going to be dealing with sonship in a whole nother light. But I want to come from the sake of godliness. You know, Colossians tells us that we are partakers of 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 we are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and it's located in the knowledge of him. So we want to transform, we want to start this act uh, teaching on transforming our God complex. How big is your God? How big is God to you? How powerful is your God? How much of that power is applied to you and through you? And this is a very introspective uh, starting point, uh, which I normally don't do. Normally I will give you a, a doctrinal dissertation, and yes, we're going to review doctrine, but in this particular teaching I want you to really look deep within at your spiritual state. And so that we're going to take up our lesson tonight and expand and amplify that through transforming our God complex. If we... If we are not careful, we can collapse our own divine complex, making his intentions for our lives of none effect. Held up by our own head, this is done done constantly when we neglect the enhancements to our daily devotion and walk that is transformed in the light of the Holy Spirit. And so, really, I'm promoting the Spirit-led life. In Romans it says, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally minded is death. The life that we live, we live through Christ, and in that living our lives through the power of Christ, we don't neglect the role of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to live this Christian life. And this life manifests godliness in in our discovery of God. And so we must be careful not to neglect and collapse our own divine complex by making his intention for our lives of none effect. But we will get into this dialogue a little later about the Holy Spirit and expand this as this course unfolds. This discourse awakens other recent dialogues I've also had personally with other Christians and upcoming Christian leaders. To my shock 
and amazement, I found many educated, inclined individuals struggle with the various aspects of God. And inserting uncertainties of their souls, um, uncertainties of their souls, their claims of a firm faith is neglecting his character and the voicing of proclaimed theology through these little questions that they have not resolved often become the esteem of their neglect from sound doctrine and authentic Christian discipleship. So the success of lessons will systematically outline courses of actions we can do to transform our God complex so that in turn we can grow in godliness. Now, in launching these advanced studies, first of all, we want you to get a notebook that is uh, specifically designed for this program where you can get us each day on Sundays and Thursday nights. We're going to unplug the nature of God for the next few weeks, and we're going to go even deeper into his namesake, and then we're going to come out into his nature to a whole other degree. And I believe by the close of this year, the revelation of the word of God that comes through this type of teaching and this through type of dialogue will spark a revolution in the body of Christ with believers that know who their God is and are confident and persuaded that they will not pass until the things that he's promised is fulfilled in their lives. So we're going to work tonight. We're going to go to work um, on Sunday. We're going to go to work next week. We're going to unplug the nature of godliness. And let's do this. In launching this advanced study of godliness, we want to provoke a deeper reflection on the quality of our encounters with God for developing godliness in our lives. We want to know um, in our own F, um, we want to know how we encounter God clearly. And we, we in our own efforts must attain this only through the power of Christ. And with this in mind, we will present and affirm our faith in um, we will present and affirm our faith in our access to God to transform our lives. And living in those discovered confidences will establish us to ascribe to the life and benefits classified in the scriptures as godliness. And in doing so, we will provide a clarified platform of practical truths and patterns concerning God that shapes and enhance our perspectives to godliness. So our goal is to provoke deeper reflection. It, our, uh, our purpose, rather, is to provoke deeper reflection. Our uh, goal is to present and affirm our faith through our access to God to transform. And then our objective is to provide a clarified platform of practical truths pertaining pertaining. Um, what shapes God in our lives? So we wanna we wanna provide this platform. We wanna have uh, present and affirm our faith toward this access, and we want to have a deep reflection. You know, now all of this is uh, awakened, first of all, through repentance. Search me, O God. Try me and see if there be any way, wicked way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. And Jesus said that I came that ye might have everlasting life. He came, he came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So in us, in us looking at this aspect of godliness, um, and as in us uh, unplugging what God is and who he is to us, 
we are going to transform our very manner of life, and we're going to do it through the Word of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, our primary passage for tonight. And in looking at Ephesians, Ephesians is often called the Magna Carta of the church because it reveals the core theology to the church. It is in the divisions of the the uh, uh, the third division of the New Testament, which is the Gospels. Uh, there is the Gospels of History, which really the Old Testament, which translates into the New Testament. <laughs> then there's the Acts of the Church, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and the Church, which is the Gospels of History. And then there is the Letters to the Church, specifically given theology to how the Church is to conduct themselves so that they can contend for the faith, so they can stay in consistent relationship with the Holy Spirit, so they can develop the character of Christ and then conform the ways of the world to our God for his glory. So all of these things are taking place in this in these letters to this church. The church of Ephesus is a very young church. By the time it was communicated to them, Paul had already established churches in Asia Minor. And so when we get to the church of Ephesus, it's more um, theologically charged, this letter, because the heartbeat and the pulse on that particular generation would create a perpetual sustaining factor to the churches that would continue after them. So the book of Ephesians is written to remind us of who we are in Christ and how we came in contact with Christ to transform our lives. And that's how we uh, we launched this uh Access because we're not necessarily discussing the nature of Christ. We can't even exist in the nature of Christ unless we affirm the nature of God. So the nature of God is focusing on Father God, the creator of heaven and earth, who God is, why he is, what he does, why he does it. And this is how we we begin this lesson in Ephesians. Well, let me read the passage, and then we'll break it down for implementation. Therefore, remember, we're starting at verses 11 through 22 of Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, remember that the form of that formerly you were you who were Gentiles by faith called uncircumcision by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done away in the body by human hands. Remember that at one time ye were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship that was in Israel, and foreigners of the covenant of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off are brought near or brought nigh by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing of the wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and his commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create himself in one new humanity out of the commands and regulations, out of two, out of two thus making peace. And in one body reconcile both them through God, through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace, who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father, God, by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow 
citizens with God's people who also are members of his household, built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, which Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom we, the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Very powerful passage taken out of the New International Version translation, and you know I rarely go to that, but I think it was a good way to kind of extrapolate the primary principles from this particular text. Ephesians was written to the church for them to know who they are so they can do what God had equipped them to do. Now, of course, you know, in chapter 1, we we find out the redemptive work. In chapter 2, we find out that it, it connects to us. In chapter 3, we, we affirm how it happens. And then in chapter 4, he gives us our roles and what we're to do with what we know. And, of course, he allots gifts, and then in chapter 5, he concludes the matter for us operating in this grace. So here we see very, very, uh, very clear-cut things, and we're going to outline them in five points tonight, and then hopefully we can get to uh, the three the three points tonight. And if we don't, we'll just finish up the introduction next um, or this Sunday and then take it on part one in chapter and next week. So, Let's let's look at this let's, this with understanding now. The first point that I want to make tonight is that Ephesians chapter two reflects and remembers exactly on what God has brought us through out of through salvation afforded through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our salvation. This is through His mercy. He brought us back in fellowship with God to become a people of promise. And you can see that in the first few verses um, that we read. Therefore, remember the formula you were who were Gentiles by birth called uncircumcised. You were called this. This is not who you were, but you were called this by those who themselves the circumcision, which was done in the body by human hands. Remember that in the time ye were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners of the covenant of promise without hope, without God in the world. So the nature of God activates itself on the, the affirming factor of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It teaches us that the nature of God is revealed. This is what the scripture reveals. We It reveals first that the nature of God is awakened through our salvation. Our salvation, and it brings us back into fellowship with God to become a people of promise. And then also, secondly, it resolves to Christ's redemptive work being being the route of escape from the separation of the world, which gives us our access to God. And I want you to mark that as an emphasis for tonight, the access to God, the access to God. Because if you don't have con- confidence that you have access to them, you won't approach them right. Or if you don't know who he really is, your approach may be incorrect. Take, for uh, for instance, the parable of the banquet. Ultimately, God was offer- offering fellowship and celebration with him. And I The banquet, and you can note this down as Luke fourteen fifteen through twenty four, uh, the parable of the banquet. God was offering them an opportunity for them to get to know Him 
more intimately so they could they could participate in the in the redemptive effect and this was a parable jesus was was putting a picture in their eyes that there's a banquet table prepared for the people of god to feast with god but they were not ready to be at that banquet some of them made excuses those who thought they were ready made excuses and didn't come because their value of who God was in their eyes uh, was not important. And then you had other ones that were willing to come, but they were not aware of who he really was. And God even sent them home and said, many are called, the few are chosen. Why? Because their God complex needed to be transformed. And I, I can tell you this off 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 script. We in our lives as Christians, if we're really going to make a difference in the world, if we're really going to really be what we profess we are, we're going to have to occasionally review how we see and how we view God. I was doing a study and, you know, just trying to collaborate on the notes. I heard the, the Holy Spirit clearly as to how to outline this particular set of study. And I realized something, that we have, in the church have done a poor job teaching on the nature of God. And the nature of God is just not knowing the names of God. I want you to understand that, too. I can I can give you a list of names and tell you who he is to other people, but you need to know who he is for you. And, and the circumstances of life, the observances to natural creation will affirm that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But we must know that we are diligently seeking God. Because what I find out in the day where circumstances don't match the steadfastness of our hearts, we lose confidence in who we say we serve. When in essence, we may not really be serving who he really is. And if you don't affirm yourself in your nature, in, in his nature, in who he is, you will not know who you are through him. So you have people that have a form, the scripture says, of godliness, but deny the power thereof because there's power to live, living godly in this present world. And those revelations always yield manifestations to those who are enlightened with its truth, the nature of God. And so... um. Back to the lesson. <laughs> I'm, uh, this this particular chapter gives us access to God, and I was looking for there's three times the word access is used in the scripture, all pertaining to God in Romans, in Ephesians, and in Corinthians. Uh, but this we, we have access by faith, and faith is what pleases God. But we know that we without anything that is not done in faith is sin, and we know that faith cannot comes by a revelation of the Word of God. But faith is has to be enacted on. It has to be enacted on in our lives. 
in order for it to be made known. The Bible says with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the confession there is not necessarily just word rhetoric, but it's also indicative of our converting to to who Christ, what Christ has done for us to achieve, and that's access to God. Our salvation gives us access to God. The freedom that we have have in Christ gives us access to God. Remember I told you to put an emphasis on that access. Because if you don't know that you have access to God, then those those areas, those gray areas of your soul won't be transformed through the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that gives us that confidence in, in believing what we should believe. Uh, because there's some gray areas that we tend to preach that we don't really affirm. Uh, some of them is, is, is geared through the, uh, the, 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 the neglect of the gospel. Others are from the distortions of grace. Other ones are from the avoiding of godliness, which de- demands us to embrace the infilling and the sanctification and the saturation that comes from the Holy Spirit. And, and when those things are not really pushed to the forefront of our minds uh, and put pushed in our complex, when God is 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 reduced to a wish list and reduced to uh, uh, a judgment clause, you know, I, I used to say uh, when we did the dispensation of grace, and I would encourage you to get that teaching um, earlier this summer. I talked about how our perception of God is often. Uh, is often flawed because we don't know the nature of his judgment. And because we don't know the nature of his judgment, the Lord began to prompt me when I went to go review back and build on my case from the uh, studying on the natures of his judging him being eternal and everlasting, not circumstantial. So he deals in much broader pictures and broader perceptions because all of those circumstantial things have been eradicated through the blood of Christ. And um, but but it don't neglect the it don't neglect the conscience that comes with our converting in Christ. You get what I'm saying? Uh, uh, but in that, he said, well, a lot of times, and, 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 and this is personal for me, because I went through a transformation through godliness. This is not something that is religion to me. This is this is a revelation that has brought me out of the, the miry clay. This is this is revelation that has kept my feet aright in the midst of contrary circumstances. This is this is what's provided the peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It is not rhetoric to me, it's revelation of the word. <laughs> I'm, we're one with God, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. What can separate us, my God, from the love of God? Those those areas in our lives uh, help us to reflect and remember, resolve to Christ, and it reveals his works that awakens a new humanity, a new consciousness of God that leads us to being transformed spiritually and becoming spiritually aware through the Holy Spirit, which sparks us a rise with us to live in our new nature. And this is what's what's missing with a lot of Christians. We have intellectually stimulated the curious without resolving to the power of God. 
And any time we go to speak on spiritual matters such as the kingdom of God, the love of God, the peace of God, the power of God, the presence of God, those are supernatural things that must be supernaturally discerned. But if we're not accustomed to the atmosphere of the supernatural, if we're not accustomed to, to the power of God that is able to transform, we don't have a real relationship with God that points us to, and we keep them confined to a complex that makes him irrelevant, not able to transform those things that can change in the blink of time. See, if your salvation is in question, if your redemption is flawed, you won't reconcile with an all-holy God that can't look on sin, with a, with a God that is able to make all grace abound towards you. Those things will be ideologies but never manifest the results in your life that prompt you to trust God with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him so that he could direct your path. It would just remain a shallow relationship. I'm calling you and challenging you to reflect. Two, for my point number one, for tonight, examine yourself to see whether you are in See when 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 the nature of God is brought to to light to study and to examine what it does is it explores the the qualities that come from God and our encounters with God that are, that we attribute to our lifestyle the effect of his presence and how it translates and transforms and transfigures us to Christ in us the hope of glory. Mm. What what what's causing you really to go deep, or are you are you stuck in superficial and uh, surface claims of religiosity? What's what's taking you to the next level? See, and I can I can go and prove text scriptures, and I can take you to the Old Testament where the reason why man fell was because he wasn't aware of the nature of God. The, the lack of knowledge, uh, people are destroyed. The rejected knowledge from the directors of God that they had caused them to be separated from God, causing uh, uh, awakening spiritual death, causing deception to sit into the to their children's children, and therefore lineages were born um, with sin. Con